Hello, everybody. My name is Katie Banks. I'm a partner in the Hogan Lovells Pensions team, and I'm here with Jim Davis, a senior associate in the pensions team. And we're here to talk about capital back journey plans, having been involved in some work on one recently. And now, maybe not everybody's worked on a capital back journey plan. So I think the first thing that uh, would be interesting to hear, Jim, is uh, what, what are capital back journey plans? There's no, it's very early days. There's no statutory definition and there isn't even a definition in the, the guidance. It's just referred to as other business arrangements in the um, regulator super fund guidance. But essentially, it's a contract that is entered into by a capital provider with one or both of the trustee and the employer. And um, the capital is provided um, to allow the trustee to invest in return-seeking um, more um, in return-seeking manner. And the goal is that by investing in return-seeking assets, the trustee gets to a higher level of funding faster. Um, there'll be a promised funding level uh, in the contract between the capital provider and the trustee and the employer. And basically anything in excess of that agreed funding level goes back to the provider as profit. So hopefully it should be a win-win. So we think that the main differential between the capital back journey plan and other types of funding arrangements is that money comes from a third party that's not associated with the pension plan? Yes, uh, I think that's the, the, um, the fundamental difference. And so what legal frameworks do, do you see being used for these capital back journey plans? I mean, there's there's all sorts of possible structures. I mean, it is effectively just um, a contract with um, a capital sitting there, either in an escrow or um, in another sort of arrangement, which gives the the trustee recourse to the um, the assets if the investments don't perform as they should. But I think um, one of the things that we will no doubt come on to is the fact that there isn't a sort of even developed market practice as to how these things look like. So one of the ones we looked at used one of these Scottish limited partnerships. And I suppose that's another useful vehicle because that creates some legal certainty that the money's there for the trustees when they need it. Yeah, absolutely. And who would be looking to use a capital back journey plan, do you think? So I suppose initially I suspect that they were pitched at schemes that were heading towards buyout but needed a, a kind of a bridge to get there so they they were on the right path but they were still a way off and this was seen as a, a way of accelerating uh, the move to buyout um, but I think that's probably changed uh, interest rates have gone up a lot as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine the, the, the mini budget um, and as a result of that a lot of schemes are now much closer to buyout than they were uh, a couple of years back. And therefore, these sorts of arrangements are much less appealing because they're most appealing if you don't think you're going to get to buyout um, anytime soon because the way that they're structured is that they will have a prescribed period and terminating early is likely to result in penalties for the trustee um, because it's structured from the capital provider's perspective as a long-term um, uh, arrangement because it needs that to be able to generate the returns, which both get the funding level to where it needs to be, but also to generate the profit for the, the, um, the provider. 
So actually, if you think that you could get a buyout in the next, say, two, three, four, five years, this probably isn't for you. And my impression is that the providers have moved more to pitching these kind of arrangements to uh, schemes which are somewhat distressed um, because I think there's inevitable comparison when you're looking at these between buyout and the capital back journey plan. And if you can get to buyout, I think you're quite unlikely to pick one of these arrangements because they are more secure. The, the promise, what is actually promised under a buyout is perfect for a trustee because it's mirror image benefits to, to what you're supposed to be providing. And also the covenant, well, these are designed, these capital back journey plans are designed to be robust, but they don't have the insurance regulatory regime and capital adequacy um, requirements, which so the covenant of the provider is not the same as the covenant of the insurer. Whereas if you're in a distressed situation, you you take what you can get to some extent, um, because it, it, there are, there are other drawbacks here with these arrangements, with them being so new, that. There isn't a developed market practice. There's probably a lack of expertise as well in the industry. Most lawyers, actuaries, professional trustees aren't going to have come across them, whereas everyone's got experience of a buy-in, which means that you can look at the terms and say, that's market, that's off-market. You can look at the pricing and say, yeah, that's kind of where we would expect it to be. You can't do any of that with the capital back journey plan. But the flip side to that is that I suspect that most of these providers are really keen to get business and they are well aware of all of these risks, um, these, the fact that it significantly more work to, to engage in one of these transactions because the level of due diligence you have to do on something which is new is higher than something which is standardized. Um, and I would expect that to have a favorable effect on pricing and that the, the first few schemes which enter into these sorts of arrangements I think are probably going to get a better deal than those that enter in to them once it becomes a more sort of well-trodden path. So we, we do think employers will find them attractive as an idea and it will be getting the trustees along across the line that will be the challenge. Yeah yeah I think so um, and I, I think you really are only going to have much success if you're in probably the sort of bracket that super funds are pitched out as well where buyout is a long way off and the trustees can see that your funding isn't so bad that even getting to sort of super fund level funding is unrealistic and you're somewhere in between um, and I suppose it's just another forum in which employers and trustees negotiate and uh, employers say that they don't have enough money and trustees say oh yes you do <laughs> And um, what does the regulator think about capital back journey plans? Have they said anything about them? Yeah, they've they've um, issued a, a few statements. I mean, I, I think probably in sort of typical regulator way, they um, they want to be involved if these sorts of things are being considered. I think particularly when they're used in a distressed situation, and you may see the employer exiting and and the um, the capital back journey plan effectively assuming the the employer role. Um, and I think they would always want to understand how it's structured, um, the contractual protections, the capital adequacy, that sort of thing. But my sense is that they are 
pleased in a kind of reserved, because they are the regulator way, that there's another option. Because I, I think there is a recognition that buyout is not achievable for for everyone. Um, and that even super funds kind of level funding might not always be um, achievable in any kind of reasonable time frame. And this is another option and more options are always a good thing. It's just if you're the regulator, you then have to police those and um, at least uh, you have to you have to have a healthy skepticism. And I think the regulator has said that they will use their super fund guidance as a sort of guide to their reaction and how they evaluate capital back to any plans. Is that right? Yeah. And depending on the structure, I think their, their view is that they will act as if certain parts of the um, super fund guidance applies to these arrangements. What exactly applies will depend on the, the structure. Um, but I think the stuff that we've seen them uh, apply is around sort of capital adequacy and fit and proper person, which Honestly, I suspect doesn't add a huge amount to what the trustees should be doing anyway. Um, it's it's helpful to have it written down and to know what the, the regulator thinks about it. But um, ultimately, I would expect the trustees to be thinking about all the things that the regulator is telling them to think about anyway and probably go even beyond that. And what about clearance? Has the regulator said anything about that? So I think, again, it, it depends on the structure because if it... Um, so it becomes more or less a super fund. I think they um, they feel that clearance is required. Um, when it falls short of that, I think they would expect to be involved still. And I, you probably end up with not clearance, but some kind of informal blessing. Um, and how different that is, I'm not sure. So I think um, the key thing is what, one of the things that the regulator worries about most is the release of the employer. And, and that's yeah. the thing that really... Um, triggers their requirement for clearance. Yeah, which, I mean, you don't even have to look at the Superfund guidance to that. That's just, yeah, has, has been like that for um, as long as uh, clearance has, has been around. Um, so, yeah, in those situations, and those are most likely in distressed situations where I'd expect the regulator to be all over it anyway. Um, and no doubt the PPF would be involved too. So we've talked a bit about trustees, but um, perhaps you can... Tell us what you think the trustees should be thinking about before they sign up to one of these. I mean, I, so I suppose legally, I think what this fundamentally is, is an investment decision. So you're going to have to get your your proper advice as you um, are required to with um, any investment decision. Um, but it's going to be significantly more involved because it's going to um, be a far harder assessment of the, the covenant of this promise than the covenant of, say, a, a bond or a sort of other sort of listed security. Um, but I, I think the the key points are probably commercial. It's just, you know, realistically, what can we obtain through other sort of reasonable options for um, improving the security of the scheme? Um, in, in terms of the sort of the more legal pro- provisions, it depends a lot on the structure. But I think probably the big thing where there's often likely to be a significant amount of negotiation is around early termination, because this investment, as I said a few minutes ago, is structured to last for the entire term, and if it doesn't, 
it's unlikely to produce the returns that the capital provider is, is hoping for and it will hit its profits. So you're probably likely to see some kind of termination penalty, which is probably fine if the trustee is just wanting to exercise a, a voluntary right to termination. I think where it becomes more complicated is when the termination is triggered by actually the involvement of the PPF, um, employer insolvency. In, in those sorts of situations, I think you need to be quite careful that you get um, a fair outcome uh, on termination. And would these um, capital-backed journey plans affect eligibility for the PPF? I mean, I think if they're structured in such a way that um, they do, it's unlikely that the trustee's going to be willing to enter into it. But I mean, I think where you see the employer exit, I think that what I would expect to become the market standard structure would be to put an SPV in place, which is uh, linked to the, um, the provider, but probably not associated and connected for um, moral hazard purposes. Um, so that you have an employer and that if the scheme is clearly uh, because of its funding position heading for the PPF, that the insolvency of that SPV can be triggered to put it into the PPF. So that's one thing that the trustees wouldn't have to worry about generally. Well, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't go for it if it wasn't eligible for the PPF. No, no. And I'm, I'm sure that, I mean, the, the provider that we worked with, they were well aware of this. And I suppose, as well as it being an investment decision, I think the trustees would need covenant advice. Yeah, I mean, I think that all feeds into the, the investment decision. I suspect probably what you end up with is, is a bit of paper from one of the sort of the investment advisors, um, which is cast as being sort of the proper advice. But a big part of that is going to it, it's going to come from the the work that's done by the covenant advisors. Uh, because it is sort of, it's, it's more that than the, the typical Cause the, investment. Because the trustees have got to be persuaded that this is a better long-term solution for their plan than sticking with the employer that they have. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that's absolutely true in a situation where the employer is being replaced by the um, the um, the capital bank journey plan, the provider. That it is yeah, ever it's a direct comparison effectively between the covenant that the employer. Um, could provide and the covenant of the um, the provider. I think it's also the case even if the employer isn't exiting and you've still got the employer support, but the downside of the capital back journey plan or the risk is that you're adopting a more uh, risk-taking investment strategy. And if that doesn't work, you have to be confident that the, the covenant of the provider is going to be there to offset the losses that um, this strategy has um, has resulted in. So you've got to be happy that the capital provided up front is sufficient, or if not, that uh, any obligation on the provider to put more capital in has acceptable counterparty risk that you believe that the provider will actually be able to provide what it needs to in that sort of situation. Well, thanks very much, Jim. I think that's been a really interesting discussion about what capital-backed journey plans are, because I think not everybody knows, and, uh, and where they could be useful. So thank you very much. Pleasure.